Welcome to the Membership Machine Show, talking you through your membership website from initial idea all the way to finished product. Here's your host, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the Membership Machine Show. This is episode 66. In this episode, we're going to be discussing how to make money in 2024 from your knowledge with an online course. It's a really important subject. I'm sure you're going to get some knowledge from listening or watching me and my guest, Kirk, um, in this particular show. So, Kirk, but before we go into the meat and potatoes, would you like to introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Certainly. Certainly. My name is Kurt Von Onen. I uh, own a company called Manana Nomas. I do uh, leadership and membership type websites, and I work directly with folks like uh, Jonathan at WP Tonic and the folks at Lifter LMS. Like I said, um, in this episode, we're going to be talking how can you profit from your knowledge and skills um, in a secondary business that has the ability to become your main business if you wish to. It's a great opportunity. It's totally possible for you to build a great business in 2024. We think we've got some great tips and insights so you avoid some of the pitfalls that you might make in this journey. But before we go into the main meat and potatoes of this show, I've got a couple of messages from our major sponsors. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Tired of hosting providers that can't handle high traffic loads? Convesio is here to help. Our platform can handle any amount of traffic, all without slowdown or crashing. With immediate Slack support, performance optimization and a team that thrives on resolving technical challenges your e-commerce business is in safe hands learn more about convesio at convesio.com are you looking for ways to make your content more engaging sensei lms by automatic is the original wordpress solution for creating and selling online courses Sensei's new interactive blocks can be added to any WordPress page or post. For example, interactive videos let you pause videos and display quizzes, lead generation forms, surveys, and more. For a 20% off discount for the tribe, just use the code WPTONIC, all one word, when checking out and give Sensei a try today. We're coming back, folks. Um, I'd like to point out that we've got some great special offers from the sponsors plus a curated list of the best WordPress plugins and services. If you're looking to build your membership or community website on WordPress, and both me and Kirk think you should do that, um, it's a great choice around digital sovereignty, customization, and just the best value solution out there at the present moment. You, to get all these goodies, all these special offers and the created list, all you have to do is go over to wp-tonic.com slash deals, wp-tonic.com slash deals, and you'll find all the goodies there. What more could you ask for? Probably a lot, but that's all you're going to get from that web, that particular page. Sorry to disappoint, um, but no. It's a great resource, folks. So let's jump off. Um, so let's just do a quick, before going into the main points that I've listed in the show notes, Kurt, um, have you got any kind of bigger picture thoughts about this subject that you'd like to share with the audience before we go into the Pacifics? Uh, Jonathan, when I saw the notes, come through this week for the show, I was pretty excited, to be honest with you, because this is basically the how not to do what Kurt wasted his time with for years uh, before consulting people on how to launch their courses. Um, it's, it's the launch of an online course is so counterintuitive to most experts that you're bound to make all the mistakes if you don't take some coaching or get some information from other people first. It's huge. 
Yep. Thanks for that. Um, so let's go into, um, I had the general introduction, which I think we've done. Let's go into point two. And I put it this way, uh, identify your niche, create on for your online course or courses, pain point, urgency. And um, I've said this before, but I will continue saying it. Don't think volume, building what I call war and peace of a course. Great book, War and Peace. I've listened to it on audio books a couple of times. Um, I'm more of an audio book guy than a reader because um, I can kill two birds with one stone. Um, it's a great book, but it's a hefty book. Um, you do not want um, a lot of people when they're, when they're starting out on this journey, folks, they, for understandable reasons, they think volume is going to lead to success. No, um, it's, you got, and I'm, I'm stealing this from the bootstrap star, um, the bootstrap, um, I've just lost the thread of Rob Walling. Yeah, Rob Rowling. Um, when you got a startup, you're bootstrapping a startup. Um, he came up with this saying, um, he wants to be either uh, a painkiller or a vitamin. And I suggest that really does need to be um, you're solving some pain for your students. But there's that extra thing, because I've said these things before, but I'm adding the extra bit. If you really want your first course to be successful, you've got to add, there's going to be urgency. Um, it's a combination of solving their pain point, but also these people have an urgent need for your knowledge that will solve that pain point. Otherwise, well, yeah, I've got a pain point. I'll take that course in maybe three months' time, or it looks good, but I don't have the time, or a thousand other reasons for them not to purchase your great course. But if there's urgency behind it, that's a totally different cup of tea. Um, what's your response to what I've just outlined, Kurt? Well, it's not so much, not so much, on top of it being a pain point urgency kind of thing, what we really wanted to say was, you know, you've got to figure out that niche that you're creating the online course for so that you can properly address that pain point. For instance, one of my biggest mistakes was I got certified in leadership and speaking. And so I thought, well, I'll just put together some leadership courses, some speaking courses. I'll put together some self-improvement courses. And I put together all the stuff that interested me. And I made this giant library of training. It was one of my first uh, LMS sites. And I had like 22 courses in it and all this wealth of knowledge. And not a single dang person wanted to sign up and take anything. Because you know what? What was I solving? What was I, what, what problem was I solving for folks? What was I preventing their, you know, did, did I say stop your divorce and three easy lessons? Did I say, um, you know, lose weight by bikini season? Did I say, no, I was just like, Hey, let's all get together and sit around the campfire and make each other better. And that wasn't enough of a pain point to get sales. And then I learned over the course of time. I needed to niche that down and my leadership had to be focused at certain divisions of retail store owners that would, that would get rid of this, this or this happening. And I noticed that I got a better buy-in when I could do that. Yeah, I'm going to put meat, some meat on this. Um, I've got five, that I did some research and these are the five leading they're not, they're not niches, definitely, because these are very broad categories. And if you tried to do your first membership website in these general five categories that I'm going to give you, folks, you, unless you're well known in this, in any of these categories, you're going to, you're going to find it difficult. But if you can find a particular niche and I'm going to get I'm going to give an example after I read out these five categories that are hopefully 
solidify what I'm the point I'm trying to make, and I'll get see if Kirk get Kirk to mark my my effort. Right. So the five, so the five um, broad and most popular categories for people make courses are self improvement, relationships, career, health, and finance. Right. Like I say, if you try to build a course unless you've got a large audience or you're well known on some other platform, it's very unlikely. Um, so let's choose one. And let's try, let's take relationships here, right, Kurt, right? And this is the example I'm going to give. So let's say relationships, but you're going to focus on men and men that um, that have problems in their personal relationship with their main um, partner, right? How do we get the pain and urgency? Well, we dive down a bit deeper. We we provide a course that can avoid, if you're facing a divorce from your major partner, you're, you're married, um, and you've got children and you're facing the decision to hire a lawyer and you might be going to family court, the, you can provide a course that describes the process, what will happen in court, what are some of the key things that you as a man that wants, still wants access to your children uh, and be part of their upbringing, what are the things that you need to know about certain states, certain processes? What do you need to know about hiring a lawyer? What are some of the red flags when you're choosing a particular lawyer to hire? What are some of the questions that you need to be able to ask? Can you see where I'm going from this, Kurt? And... Because you're, this is important knowledge, isn't it? That if you, um, I'd imagine a lot of men when they're when they're spouse, and it statistically, unfortunately, Kirk, seventy percent of marriages are started married married couples heterosexual relationship. And the marriage—it's the seventy percent of divorces are started by the woman. Um, yep. So, um, and a lot of the men in those relationship, it comes straight out out of the blue that the marriage, the uh, the other, the female partner wants out of the relationship, and um, where the woman. This is scientifically proven, folks. It's not my bias coming out here. I want to make out here. I'm not too. It's just. It's just. It's been proven that seventy um, percent of divorces are indicated by the female partner, and normally they've been thinking about the divorce for quite a long period. But the male person, it comes totally out of the blue. So they're probably not seeing it coming. It's hit them, and then they're probably doing a Google search to find information. There's urgency in their need. They're confused. They're lost. They don't know where to turn to. Do you think I'm I'm laying out well here the difference when somebody's got um, a urgency and also a pain point here, Kurt? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I feel like you're diving into my background some. I was actually on the board of directors for a program called the uh, Father Show Resource Program that helped helped fathers reestablish visitation rights with their estranged children. Um, It is interesting, right? So like the name of that course would be how to win visitation rights in Nevada, how to win visitation rights in Louisiana, you know, and then a course for men. Um, But yeah, that that having a course name and having, uh, you know, some content or copy that addresses 
that pain point and that urgency will help you gain success with the course. Yeah, and uh, I'm not being sexy, so um, you could, um, like, uh, I've got to work and come into um, pre- pregnancy. You, you got, um, you've got, um, you're aiming your course at a certain female section around relationship, but it's not, it's just not some vague, another, it just come to me here. You could aim um, your course at professional or executive level females who in, who are thinking of, or who have delayed their first pregnancy, but the time is running out and they're concerned how will, how can they prepare their employer or how can they get themselves into the best financial position if they're a lawyer or some form of professional so their career isn't totally decimated by the natural need to have a child. Um, you could design a whole course that can advise with coaching around that particular issue. Is that a good example, do you think? Good? I, I think we kind of saved ourselves over over favoring the men. So I think we're, we're back on track. Yes, I, I think I was a very dicey. I think I've managed to dig myself out of a big pit there, haven't I? Hopefully. I will let the audience decide if, if you've got, if you got some uh, feedback about my attempt with me not destroying myself in this podcast, please leave a comment on the YouTube channel, the WP Tonic YouTube channel, where you find the video of this podcast. Right, so um, can, I, can I earn money from taking on, uh, I've, I've got, taking online courses or doing online courses. I think oh, I got a bit confused there. Um, yeah, you can, you know, um, but it's, it's linked to the couple of examples I've just outlined here. You know, um, if there's urgency, if there's pain resolution that comes out of your course and there's some form of urgency, you're going to be able and you fulfill what you say you're going to be able to help the student, the individual out with, your course, you'll be able to price your course to the value that it gives, where a lot of people, like I said in to the introduction, they link their first course value by the length of the course by having 20 lessons, 50 lessons, endless sub-courses. I don't know. Like I say, the war and peace that's taken two year, a year plus to do all the videos, blah, blah, blah. Uh, um, that's not where the value comes from. But if you do what, what I've just, and I think I did a re- I'm blowing my own horn here, but hopefully Kurt would say I normally don't do that, is that... Um, I think if you do the pain point and the urgency there, the ability to charge a reasonable amount instead of it straight away discounting it, something that's taken over a year, this bloated war and peace course, and you're already talking about discounting it before you even got your first set of sales in, um, I think you're in a much better position. What do you reckon? Well, I think people don't have to listen to either you or I on this one, Jonathan. I mean, social media is full of dudes leaning on Lamborghinis, tell them how they can be millionaires if they just put up an online course. <laughs> so, <laughs> so can you make money at it? Yeah, you, you know, you definitely can. Um, but there's, there are a lot of steps in this. It's, it's not you just lean up on someone's Lamborghini and claim it as your own. Um, it's the stuff that we mentioned at the beginning of the show. Absolutely. Um, but then I learned along the way, like, how do I make money from the course? I found out that people more so than content think they're paying for access. So if you put yourself in position as the expert, the person that knows about something, they're going to want some kind of access to you. And so if you have like a good, better, best pricing strategy for your course, you're going to be able to charge more and higher premium rates for it. For example, you could have an entry-level version of your course, a more advanced version of your course, 
And you could also have, you know, a, a version of your course that comes with some kind of, you know, live workshop, mastermind, one-on-one coaching, something like that. And so remember that every time you extend yourself and add access of yourself to your courses, um, you 10x. I mean, you, you know, uh, it's exponential growth for the earning potential. So um, can you make money? Absolutely. You just have to have a really sound strategy behind it. Yeah. And look, I put like two sub points here. You know, it's linked to what we've outlined in point two. Uh, who are you serving? But like I say, the two examples, I gave the example that that was focused at a male audience and then I ducked myself out of a grave because I, I, I fought on my feet here and I hopefully Kurt was impressed. I think he was because I hadn't planned that out. But as I was digging a, hot, a grave for myself with example one, I managed to pivot on my, on my backside and pull out a good example for number two. So I had an example for a male audience and then I had a good example for a female audience. Um, um, so who are you serving? Um, if you can work out that, which is part of your niche, and don't do something that's all embracing with the five main categories that I outlined, self-improvement, relationships, career, health and finance. And I think I chose relationships and I think I gave two really good examples of two sub-niches underneath the main category of relationships. I think I think we've given a good and clear example of what a niche is and how that niche has to solve a pain point. I know I'm repeating myself a lot in this pod- podcast, folks, but I'm doing it intentionally because I think if you don't get the pain point and the urgency there, if it's your first course and you haven't built a reputation you haven't, you're not known. After you've done this first pain, your courses can be a little bit more broader because you've built a reputation with a particular audience. And that was point two, sub, the subcategory of, of three um, is what do, what do you want to be known for? Um, well, if you've dealt with this pain point, this takes, the female, you know, you, you've helped a lot of students around how to deal with their professional corporate reality and what's the best tactics when you're wanting to have your first child so your career isn't decimated. Um, or, and it is a great concern, I know, for a lot of female friends I have where um, I've known that they have, it's kept them up at night, um, worrying how their career is going to be affected. So, um, but after that, you can add additional subject, additional courses. But that first, if it's your first course, it's got to deal, in my opinion, with a pain point and there's got to be urgency. Does this make sense, Kurt? Absolutely, sir. Not, not sir, Jonathan. Yes, he keeps calling me sir. It's something, but something very American. Um, either they call you dude or they call you sir. Uh, um, I don't like dude. I, I think that's very slangy. But then, it's, then they they go to the other extreme. They call you sir, which is uh, um, I suppose I've gone from the UK. The only people they're called sir in the UK is if you're knighted by the queen or the king. Now the king, because obviously. I keep saying Queen, folks, because she was so long the monarch in the UK that it's ingrained in me. Uh, um, I'm waffling there a bit. When I um, define your big purpose, um, kind of, I was thinking about this, and it's it's more to do with my nature, folks. Um, I kind of push away. I push against this, but I do think it's important. I think obviously the financial side, like any business, but I think apart from the financial side, if you, if you're going to maintain this and it's going to be a real business, it's not 
don't know. I don't like these people that say it's not about money. It's that, that's nonsense. Far as I, that's nonsense. Far as I'm concerned, but there's also got to be another purpose to it because you're going to have some big ups and downs on this journey. There's going to be some days that ain't going to be great. Um, but there's going to be other days where you, when you launch your first course and you, you're getting sales in and you're getting a good feedback from the students. There'll be other days where you're just getting complaint after complaint after complaint and nothing seems to you. And if there isn't a bigger purpose, a purpose why, why you're passionate about the subject or why you're interested in the subject, there won't be a lot to sustain you through the lows. What do you reckon about this, Kurt? The, well, the, to me, the big purpose can't just be like a facade you put on temporarily while you're promoting the course or, or just in your, you know, your tweets or your posts about something. When, when, when I saw define your big purpose, I thought, you know, yes, absolutely. Like, what's the mission statement? What's the purpose of this thing? But then it almost has to become, you know, an embodiment of what you're trying to represent through your emails, through your posts, through your, you know, live videos, all that stuff. And the more you touch on what that big purpose is, the more people will identify with it and be drawn to whatever your offer is. Yeah, I think it's great. We're going to go for our break now, mid-break. Hopefully you got some value from my waffling and the more the precise insights from my special host, co-host, Kurt. Um, but I think I, I think hopefully I've given a couple of good examples of what is a good example of pain point and urgency. We've got some great other insights. We will be back in a few moments, folks. This podcast episode is brought to you by Lifter LMS the leading learning management system solution for WordPress. If you or your client are creating any kind of online course, training-based membership website, or any type of e-learning project, Lifter LMS is the most secure, stable, well-supported solution on the market. Go to lifterlms.com and save 20% at checkout with coupon code podcast 20 that's podcast two zero enjoy the rest of your show we're coming back folks i just want to point out that if you're looking to build your membership website and you're looking for great hosting and a selection of the best plug-in solutions that have been picked out for some bias to help you build your membership community website plus email marketing plus ongoing support from a knowledgeable team. If this all sounds really great, why don't you look at building your first membership website and hosting it on WP Tonic? We'd love for you to be, be part of the tribe. Um, I think, and I think Kirk agrees, we offer some of the best value on the market when it comes to helping people build their membership website on WordPress. So go over to WP tonic.com have a look at what we got for and you can also book a free consultation with me what more could you ask for probably a lot but we're going to off that so let's go on on this windy journey together listeners and viewers um, around the yellow brick road Kirk's you know because he's, he's moved to Kansas so it's been his favourite song there the yellow brick road our, um, the wizard. Yeah, the wizard. Our, um, so let's go on to number five. Try out different call structures. I think this is another thing. People get obsessed about layout of the call of the of the course. Um I think having a good having spending time on the core message of your home page and about us page is really very important. And hitting the main pain points of the niche audience that you are trying to attract. And that audience should have urgency and being able to say that your course 
will help them and do it in an efficient, timely way. But messing around with the course structure layout or the lesson layout, it has its place when but you shouldn't really do fundamental things like that until you get your first batch of students in and start getting some feedback about what was confusing about the layout, what was clear about the layout, what would assist them in being able to progress through the course in an effective way until you get that feedback. Um, but also the combination of which um, Kurt touched on, you know, normally it's more, the more um, there's all different levels of um, upsell and downsell that will mean that they will have more access to you personally or in a group scenario. What's your thoughts about this, Kurt? I think when you start thinking about different course structures and things like that, there's a part of me that agrees with what Jonathan said, but there's another part of me that wants you to really think about something. Um, in the corporate training categories, there's a term called micro-learning. And I think this is somewhere that a lot of people get confused. Some people create these lessons that are long, um, very verbose, lots of narratives, lots of sections. And, you know, if we think of things on the internet, we think of things as like H1, H2, H3. These are the degrees of headlines in your content. Um, so I try to inspire my clients to use much more, much shorter, smaller pieces of content for lessons so that your user, your student can go micro learning, market done, go to the next one, market done. And every time they mark something complete, it's like a little dopamine hit. It's like, it's like a like or a share on social media to them. And they, and that builds that momentum and it helps inspire them to want to go to the next thing. If, if your lesson structures or course structures are very long and laborious, um, unless you're, unless you're hitting a demographic that's really into that style of content, um, Jonathan spoke about that before. He, he's in, he's in a course that has lots of content. It makes sense for that demographic. But most most beginners in the e-learning segment would do better to have shorter lesson content and then more pops and more, you know, messages of affirmation for getting things done. Yeah, it's, it's funny you bring this up. I haven't I need to refresh myself about this course I bought myself, folks. One point, Kurt, the guy, the guy that's running it, he's got a very soft voice. He kind of with this lesson, three, two, five listeners and viewers, and we're going to go into page SEO, and we're going to go into subsections of each, and it goes on in this monotone, soft tone, folks. And literally, I literally got to have more. The content is good, folks. The guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, it's just done in this monotone, soft whisper. And I could have li literally, and on each lesson, there's about four videos, and each video is about 20 minutes long. Um, and you listen to this voice, and unless I've got a constant supply of coffee, I, I, I've nodded off, folks. I've actually fallen asleep. So, Keep the video short and sweet. Break it down into, I would, I, I think, five-minute bites. It does depend on what, it does, obviously, it does depend on what you're trying to teach, folks. Obviously, obviously, there's got to be some element of common sense here. But if you can cut it up, cut it down into small bites, the videos, the written content, quiz, the quizzes, if you can, I think the better off you're going to be. What do you reckon, Kurt? I I agree 100%. The more that you make things easily digestible and think of think of a TV show that you like and why do you like it. 
Think of a really popular show and, and why it's popular. Think of, you know, a kick and pop song and why it's dominated the charts for so long. And then think about learning content and think about which ones really rise to the top as far as like success goes and ones that seem to, well, you've never heard of them. So, so take some of that to heart and make something that people want to be a part of. On to number, um, number six, examine alternative revenue streams. Well, you know, you can offer upsells, downsells, depending on what platform. That's one of the great things about WordPress and the solutions we offer at WP Tonic. It's really quite easy to do upsells, physical products, digital products, extra digital resources, PDFs, digital books, um, swag, um, access to group coaching, group discussion. There's endless ways of looking at getting that external inter... Oh, I'm struggling with my words this afternoon. It's been a long week, folks. But um, different revenue streams. What what What's your thoughts about this one, Kurt? I, you got to get out of the box. You know, people... You got to get out of the box. Poof. Um, one that's constantly overlooked and one that I think is very interesting, depending on your use case and demographic, is the use of affiliates. And not from the standpoint of like, you're the affiliate recommending other people's stuff. But like, let's say you have a course that serves a corporate market. You know, you could very easily allow other people to become an affiliate of your product. So that like a a regional salesperson that visits multiple retail outlets, if it was the type of training that retail salespeople would take, they could recommend that course and then they get, you know, 10, 15, 20%, whatever you negotiate with them. And then you keep that 70 to 80% for yourself, but you're not having to actively sell it. You're creating that extra revenue stream through other people acting as your salesperson without actually having to hire salespeople. Um, there's just really cool ways that you can put, Jonathan, you just made a recommendation to me last month. And that was take a course that I was offering in one of my properties for free, just as a lead magnet. And you said, Hey, why don't you put that on Udemy and sell that thing? Right. And that literally just went live yesterday. My course. Oh, great. Great. Have you got any sales yet? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm surprised. Because I bought, I bought a LinkedIn course and it was okay. It's not as good as your one. I think there's only one or two courses about LinkedIn still on there. Is there was there? There's there? there's there's a quite a few courses on LinkedIn, but they're all different. You know, my mine was you know how to increase your connections without spamming your audience, and um, most of the other courses are how to spam your audience <laughs> to, grow, to grow your LinkedIn. Well, that's good. That's a good position. You're you're trying to find your niche. I'm sure you do quite well. I, I got. I think you. You're going to do reasonably well out there. It's not going to not going to make you rich, but I think it's going to be. And I think the exposure it will give you will be worth the effort. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think. I think. I think the thing is affiliate marketing. If you got, if you got the pain point and the urgency, and you and you got the structure, and you're broken up a call structure, and you're getting. I think then the pricing, which will lead to the next point we're talking about, you'd be able to charge some decent, you'd be able to charge reasonably well for that course because you sorted out some of the fundamentals. Then I think the affiliate side, I, I should attempt to get a real expert on this. I will, listeners and viewers, I will attempt to get a real expert on the show to discuss this. Because I know affiliate marketing around courses, um, B2C or B2B, is just, if if you can get people to come on board and be affiliates and and they're active, it can be a real way of getting your first course and being a, a good success. So it's definitely an area that I haven't looked at enough. So I will find a real expert resource to come on the show for that, folks. Um, 
determine appropriate pricing. I think we've talked about on and off throughout this show, but it's what's your thoughts about this one? Because it's a nightmare, isn't it? It is a nightmare. The 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 thing that happens a lot to course creators is you put all the work in, you get it all done, and then that imposter syndrome takes over where you wonder if you really are the voice of reason or you really are the expert in the room. And then you notice that there's 10,000 free videos on YouTube about your subject. And then you start to devalue your offer and you start thinking, well, I was going to sell it for $99, but now I guess I could sell it for $19.99. And I just want to try and encourage people not to go down the route of being the cheapest in the room. That race to the bottom devalues your product, but it also pushes qualified buyers away because a lot of people are thinking, well, I might pay $100 for a course to learn something, but for 20 bucks, there's probably nothing of value in here, right? Remember, the part of the value of your course is that you have curated the content and you've put it into the story arc of a course and you're providing a service to people. So even if there were free videos on YouTube, it's not curated and story arced and all those things. So um, don't shortcut yourself and, uh, and, and be aware of what's appropriate. The other thing, and I'm sorry to dominate this question so much, Jonathan, but don't be afraid of, hey, I've got a few signed up. I'm going to try and double the price and see what happens. Hey, I've got a few more signed up. I'm going to add another feature or add another section, and I'm going to try and double the price again. Um, I went from a product that was literally $1,500 a year, which is now selling for over $40,000 a year. Now, the volume's not high enough to make me a millionaire, but what I found was the content, the pain point I was fixing, and the audience I was selling to wasn't interested in buying it for $10,000, $12,000, $18,000 a year. It had to hurt financially in order for them to understand its value. And that's just the way that it worked. Yeah, I think they're great points. I think uh, I had some gibberish in some of my show notes here, folks. Like, I, where's the greatest sites to sell? I've changed it to sites to sell online courses for money. Well, You're I thought, <laughs> well you just add it. See, this is um, this is how I think it works. You you should not build war and peace. You should build a really focused one hundred one. Smaller initial course um, that has some pain and urgency. It could be a real slim down one, so you get it out the door. Basically, you could use you could utilize some of the video materials on YouTube, but then um, you could also decide to. So this is how I would do it. If it was me, folks, I would produce a mini course aimed at the 101. Um, I would put some of it on YouTube in a controlled way to promote it, doing my YouTube SEO, um, making sure um, that I title it and the the, the description of the video, the thumbnail. Um, There's a couple really inexpensive um, tools out there. There's TubeBuddy and there's IQ Tube, I think it's called. They're the two leading that you can utilize to help you with your YouTube. And then I would put that mini course on Unity or some other platform like that. Um, and then um, the feedback um response I get from Unity, I would build my next course out a more a bigger course, um, and by then the Unimi should be established. I can look at the traffic, which which YouTube videos I would produce extra material on just for YouTube and look at the analytics that I was getting to guide me about which subjects to guide me on this second course, which would be the main course that would be around a couple thousand dollars. Is this making sense, Kurt? It is. Um, I think the main message, though, here is don't get overly excited without doing the strategy and the homework first. 
how many people, you know, and it's, I mean, WP Tonic has a, a wonderful offer, right? You want Buddy Boss, Learn Dash, Lifter LMS, you want to build your own thing. It's fantastic. But do a sample of something. Make sure you have community or clients or students or somebody that your offer will get in front of before you invest the time and the money and build something giant. Um, I really like your idea of, you know, trying a smaller unit out on Udemy and gaining some momentum and then expanding the content for your own offer on your own space. I like that. Yeah. And you can offer access, group access, because you could even do a kind of, doesn't have to be precisely one-on-one on Udemy, but it's just more at a certain price point. And then you can do a slightly more detail and then offer group and individual access to yourself. And that could really appeal. And the be- the the thing I want to get is uh, I've been thinking about this. If you if and I gave these two examples, I'm really, really more drumming my own drum here, but I don't normally do it. I think I gave really two good examples in the first half of this show, folks, of how you could just take general relationship and you can I just took those really off my head, really, folks. But I think they really showed how you could take the general category relationship and really find two decent niches that have pain, solving a pain point, and also have urgency. Because if you, if you, unfortunately, if you are going to call around access for your children, that's rather urgent, isn't it? If if a lot of half your income. Um, comes from your executive job or your profession, but you want a child, um, uh, you don't want that income to be totally destroyed or you don't want the prospects of promotion to be totally destroyed. I think that's rather urgent, isn't it, in most people's minds. Uh, um, So, um, yeah, I think... So, I think if you... Do the work in working out the pain point you sold. And I keep stressing this because I would say, I would say the majority of people that approach us for consultation um, and advice, which we can provide, we just don't provide hosting and the tools. I would say the bulk of them haven't done this. Would you agree with this, Kurt? I hesitate to say it the way that wants to come out of my face. Um, I, it normally doesn't stop me. I just blurt yeah. it out. Most, most people that I talk to are truly not prepared. Just just not prepared for the adventure, for the work, for, the, for, for what it's going to take to make it happen. And unfortunately, most learners that sign up for an online course aren't prepared either for the work to be good students. And so if you have a course creator that's not prepared and students that aren't prepared, you you really end up with a teeter-totter that's not going to finish. And I would say without the pain and urgency element, folks, I would say, I would say half your students ain't going to at least will never finish the course. And that a lot of them, a percentage of them not will ask for a refund. If you get the pain and urgency correct, um, that that reduces. And the the last thing is, if you haven't got an established audience, you haven't done, you can still launch your course and have success if you do the research around pain and urgency. I think what I haven't, to finish off, what I didn't make clear is if you already got an audience, you can probably win it. And what I mean by win it is that you don't, do the pain and urgency, and you still probably could have a reasonably successful launch of a course. If you ain't got the audience and that, and you don't do the pain and urgency bit and do and sort that out, it's very unlikely that your this course that you're spending time, energy, and money is going to be a success. And that's why I've kind of said pain 
pain and urgency about 15 times in this podcast. So I've been a bit of a bore, haven't I, Kurt? Well, I think it's just really important for listeners, you know, and viewers to drive home the idea that, and, and just to be plain, like we're just normal people, Jonathan. You and I are just normal run-of-the-mill folks. If, if you were going to compare yourself to like Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins has an immense audience. He could make a course on beekeeping and make a million dollars on it tomorrow, yeah. right? He could make a course on how to polish scratches out of your driver's door from a parking lot and it, he would make a million dollars, right? But we're not talking, this show's not geared towards people like Dean Gracioso or, or Russell Brunson or, or Tony Robbins. It's geared towards people at our level, right? Jonathan, Kurt, other people that we know, peers in the industry that are making courses to go to the general public. And, and in order for you to make that leap from normal person to recognized expert, I think one of the things you haven't repeated enough is that defining your big purpose, right? And so if you are very well-defined on your purpose and you nail your niche and your pain point, you're, you're going to gather a following and it's going to take a little bit of time and you got to be patient. It's the long game. But once, once the benefits of that long game start to come through, you'll start to see the revenue outweighs the heartache and the bills and you really start to enjoy it. Right. So, Kurt, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're up to, Kurt? Um, from a business perspective, Manana Nomas, anything that is Manana Nomas online leads back to me. And then uh, LinkedIn, make a connection on LinkedIn. And, um, you know, heck, if you can't figure out how LinkedIn works, I know a guy that's got a course on that. And um, I'm the only Kurt Von Annen on LinkedIn. Yep. And if you want to discuss any of the things that we've outlined in this podcast and this video, you can go to the WP Tonic website and you can book a consultation with me. It's totally free. And is any of the things that are, that we have brought up during the show, I'm more than happy to discuss and clarify any of the things or any of the questions you might have. Plus, we've got a great facebook group community the membership machine show you can join that group totally free and if you've got any questions you can go there and me and kirk will answer your questions asp we i'm on there every day it's like i say please join us on the facebook group page the membership machine group and like i say there's any questions that that you've got that come up in listening to that, this podcast, you can join that and we'll answer it. Um, we will be back next week with an, either another discussion or a guest or it always will provide some value to you about building a great membership or community website in 2024. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Membership Machine Show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and leave a rating to support the show. Until next time.